A little word to the wise to our Lions of Liberty listeners. Today's show gets a little bit risque, so you may want to put the earmuffs on the kids, kick them outside, make a play date, whatever you need to do. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome, my little fancy dancers, my little boogie queens to Electric Liberty Land. I am Brian McWilliams. Welcome to the show. This is Electric Liberty Land number six for all of you out there, which means, of course, you can go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL6 to get all of the show notes for today's program. And also visit the archives if you want to see what the other shows were about. That's just lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL. It's that simple. While I've got you, while we're at it, but a few things to hit at the top of the show here. Number one, go hit us up on uh, the Facebook forum we've got, Lions of Liberty. Type it right in the bar. Simple, easy peasy. Number two, follow us on Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. Number three, we got this new thing. We're raising money. We're going to try to milk you. We're going to try to, we're going to try to squeeze that stone that is our audience and reap the blood of, of your, uh, your sweet donations. So we are doing that though. We, we start a thing now. We've got ways you can support us. We've got some t-shirts, which are awesome. You can get those at lionsofliberty.store. And, uh, we just launched a new, a new Podbean, uh, patron program. So basically you could go on there and support the podcast, all that we're doing here. Try to keep the uh, the lights on, try to keep us deep in alcohol, and also to try to help us continue to expand the show, do a little more advertising, and uh, and hopefully get to the point where we can go do some live shows, travel around, and also expand the show to more than three days a week. And uh, yeah, the only way we're going to do that is with your support. So we thank you for everybody that's already supported us in various ways. Thank you for listening. Now let's get on to the show. So it was the Super Bowl Sunday. Got to start the show off with that. Of course, it's a, that's a big deal. If you don't know by now, spoilers, I don't know if you taped it and you're sitting at home and you just can't wait to watch it on DVR, but the Patriots did win. They pulled out a ridiculous victory, a shocking victory. I, I think most people were rooting against the Patriots. Maybe maybe the big Trumpkin fans were, were supporting them. Uh, I know everybody on the left was rooting for the Falcons. I was rooting as well for the Falcons until I realized how much money I could win in one of those buy a square on the Super Bowl grid pools. So uh, I had to turn around my my feelings root for the Patriots at the end of the day and actually won some money, which was nice. But what I find so hilarious is how much of a big deal was made about this Super Bowl and Tom Brady being friends with Donald Trump. And then what happens? Whoops, Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl. So I consider this one more repudiation of the ideas of the left. And I I have to say, I take no small pleasure in it. I dislike the Patriots as much as I could dislike any football team that is not the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys, both who can just die in a horrible fire because uh, I'm an Eagles fan. But I just think it's, it's too funny. It's just one more uh, kick of sand in the face of the eyes of the regressive left. And I love every second of it. And by the way, is anybody else? I mean, considering all the rhetoric building up to this and how Tom Brady is a horrible person for liking Donald Trump and being friends with him. Was anybody else kind of expecting the Antifa 
to storm in and start beating Tom Brady in the face with those poles and the flags. And maybe somebody would, you know, spray, uh, spray somebody in the eyes with pepper spray. Maybe get Edelman out there to spray right in the eyeballs for that great catch he made. It would not have surprised me. So anyway, that was interesting in the Super Bowl. And this is the Super Bowl special, I guess you could call it. Uh, we don't talk about football much on the show. And I'm not going to really talk much about football on this show. But I am going to talk about some of the Super Bowl ads that ran. Because huh, every year, they're, uh, you know, people get all excited for the ads. Many people just watch the Super Bowl for the ads, which is fine. I mean, hey, you know what? Sometimes you get drunk, you want to see some Skittles commercials. Let me not throw the first stone there. And this being a very politicized environment, especially after Donald Trump taking office, we knew there were going to be some commercials in there that were going to get the blood riled for either one part of America or the other one. And this Super Bowl did not disappoint. I will say that. So what I'm going to do is I want to run through a few of them. I'm going to play a couple live. Some of them were mostly just music, so I'm just going to I'm just going to talk through those. So the first one is from 84 Lumber. Now, I'm not overly familiar with 84 Lumber to be honest. We are uh, a Home Depot crowd out here. There's some Anderson plywood if you're familiar with those, but no 84 Lumbers. But their commercial essentially followed a story of a mother and her little girl daughter and their trip to try to uh, illegally immigrate to America. So they follow them, and and it's a two-parter. So basically, they did the whole thing like that, whatever that financial commercial is that they always do, the old man, and they go, hey, Dad, I got to talk to you about something. And the old guy's like, oh, no. And then they go find out more at Hartford.com. And and by the way, who the hell is going to get drawn in by that? An old man sitting in a chair, and his daughter's like, hey, I got to tell you something. What a hook. Uh, What's going to happen next? Anyway, so this commercial apparently, though, grabbed people enough that it crashed 84 Lumber's website. So it was an epic fail in that regard because they had this commercial where they're going through. They say goodbye to the family back home. They're trekking out there. They show them, you know, going off and and, uh, making their way to America. And then they say, continue more, you know, go to 84 Lumber forward slash whatever uh, immigrant commercial is going to piss you off. So the website crashes. Nobody can watch the second part during the Super Bowl. Uh, well done there, F84 Lumber. Maybe want to buy an extra server next time. So if you did go to the website, though, I went today. What happens? Of course, the little girl and her mom, they go through, oh, it's raining. Oh, it's, you know, there's fires. They're, they're sitting on the fire. Okay. Then they finally get to America, the border. Oh, there's a big damn wall because Trump has had his way and they can't get in. She goes, oh, no, honey, you know. So they go to turn around and then, oh, they go, they run up to the doors. They say, oh, let us in. And right as they're going to give up, the doors open and there's big golden light like they're coming into uh, to freaking heaven or something like that. And then they're admitted. And the tagline, those with the will to succeed are always accepted here or something. something I'm paraphrasing a little bit. That was basically what, what it said. So you got to look at this commercial and ask yourself, why would 84 Lumber invite this uh, surefire backlash upon itself for no discernible? Now, the commercial had no discernible endorsement for Lumber. It had no Lumber products. All it did was serve to really piss off Trump supporters and people that are in opposition of illegal immigration. And 
I guess, to make some people on the liberal side of things. Some Maybe the progressives were like, good job, 84 Lumber. When I hire my, my manservant to fix my closet next time, I'm going to use your wood. You know, it's like, give me a break. I, I, I'm puzzled by it. and it, But it shows you, it is insight into the political climate we're in, where, I mean, for a, a brand to go out of its way and to spend something like $5 million in advertisement. It's something crazy like $375,000 a second. So I'm exaggerating a little bit, but to spend all this money to put this ad out there that doesn't benefit your brand in any way or tell them what kind of products you do or tell anything about your company and only serves as a slap in the face to the president and what he's trying to do, I would say is questionable at best. So that's my take on that first one. Uh, This next commercial, I'm going to run real quick so we can listen in, and then I'm going to come right back. And this one is the pre-height Budweiser founder immigration commercial. You don't look like you're from around here. Warum bist du aus Deutschland? I want to brew a beer. Welcome to America. So you get shipwrecked here. You know. Just let you know what's going on in this commercial. Washes up. Yada yada. Goes in. St. Louis, son. Beer for my friend, please. Shows him a little drawing of the Budweiser bottle. But next time, this is the beer we drink. Eberhard Denheiser. Dolphus Busch. So that's the end of the commercial. And it ends with a tagline, when nothing stops your dream, this is the beer we drink. Now, you could read into it and say, oh, okay, well, this is clearly making a, uh, you know, a, a statement against Trump. And that's what a lot of people were saying on Twitter. And there was a whole boycott Budweiser, boycott Bud tag uh, on Twitter, hashtag. But I couldn't, I couldn't help but think to myself, how absolutely goddamn stupid that was. How can you say that you want to boycott Budweiser? Let's let's break this commercial down. You have an immigrant, a white immigrant, by the way, coming in legally from another country. He's coming in. They show him getting stamped in at Ellis Island. Welcome to America. They show the pushback, which was real and happened. You know, there were a lot of immigrants were not welcome here because people wanted, just like today, they took our jobs just like today. So they're, of course, you know, oh, you're not wanted here, yada, yada. A lot of pushback against the Germans, against the Irish, against the Polish. Anybody coming in got pushback because there were only so many jobs uh, in the industry, ostensibly. But so yeah, that all happened. What's wrong with that? Nothing so far. White guy comes here. He wants to make beer. He comes to America. He's here illegally. Okay. Pushes through. Goes through some hardships. Shows his beer, says, yep, I want to brew this beer. Starts a company, brews the beer. What is not to love in that equation if you are a red-blooded Trump supporter? Isn't this exactly what you want? Don't you want people coming in legally and starting companies that then become massive global companies? Well, not anymore. Well, Budweiser, of course, has been bought out by InBev, uh, which is like a Brazilian uh 
Brazilian company, a Brazilian Belgium company right now, I think. But that's neither here nor there. So it's not really an American company anymore. But that's what you want before it gets bought out. You want it to be a massive company that has started here. And if it's started by an immigrant, just like every other company, we're all immigrants. So this is exactly what you should want. So to boycott that is so stupid and so just, I don't even know. It's like the opposite, just like the left overreacts emotionally. This is the right doing the same thing. So that was one that uh, riled a lot of people up for no good reason whatsoever. Should have been applauded. It was a good commercial. And it's exactly what America's about. Of course, the only difference was that in those days, it was a lot easier to start a brewery up. If you had some money and you had a basement, you could start your own brewery. Bingo. If you had good beer, people would buy it. You could become very successful. I dare you to try that now and see how many regulations you come up against. We have a brewery here in Los Angeles called Firestone. I'm sure you're all very familiar with it. They have an entire brewery built. It's built. It would employ people locally. They can't get a goddamn permit from the city of Los Angeles to brew the beer in this in this established building. Create jobs, provide a nice local beer. Nope, got to wait. So that's maybe what the commercial should have been about. How about a commercial that's protesting over-regulation of industries and could uh, then, then maybe more people could emigrate to the United States and start up their own delicious, delicious breweries? I'd be all for that. Okay, next commercial. I just got to talk through this one. And by the way, I didn't mention, this is, I'm just flying solo today. Um, I, uh, you know, it's, I was, I was exhausted on Monday and the last two shows, I recorded them on Tuesdays, which I'm recording this on a Tuesday too, but it's a whole nother schmageggy when you got to get another person in here, record it, then go back and edit it. I can edit this bastard in real time because I don't have to have anybody in the other line that can't hear the audio I am playing for them. So this next commercial was from Hyundai, uh, which I am a proud owner of Hyundai, but I got to say, I'm pissed off about this commercial. Commercial essentially was... Uh, They flew a crew to Poland where the U.S. has a nice, fresh army base. Mmm, brand new. It's got that new army base smell. We all love it. You know, it hasn't gotten stunk up or got anything. So we got all our troops over there in Poland. And they fly in. They do this sweeping shot, flying in over the army base to to set the stage. And they they, they got music playing. And underneath the music, we've got some text. And here's what the text said. Millions of people watched the Super Bowl, which wouldn't be possible without our troops. Now, whether or not that's true is, of course, debatable. Uh, Maybe if we didn't have troops all over the world, we could watch our Super Bowl in even more safety because we're not going and poking people. Because you have to beg the question, why the hell do we have troops in Poland right now? Other than just because Obama wanted to put Trump in a bad position with Russia right off the bat. There's no good reason because of NATO, because Poland doesn't want to spend money on its own defense. Those are the only two reasons Um, we don't need to be there. It was ridiculous. And it just was a it it was a little thorn in my side when I was watching this and just said, give me a goddamn break. Now, of course, we all know how much the military spends on advertising and all these little, you know, the folding of the flag before the game, the singing of the anthem, having the, the military troops acknowledged during the game. That's all in there, too. So maybe this is tied in. Maybe Hyundai and the U.S. government were had a little shaky-shake deal on the side. That would not surprise me one bit. And I actually personally 
earlier uh, at a different agency doing my PR career, I represented a guy named Kelly Perdue. Kelly Perdue is the winner of the second season of The Apprentice. You see how I'm tying this all into the Trump? So <laughs> I did not get to meet Donald Trump, sadly. But Kelly Perdue, he was a former, uh, he did some Army Ranger training. And so I pitched him to this a certain wing of the, you know, the government armed forces that handles all their advertising. They jumped on it. They said, oh, this is great. He's, you know, popular right now. And he was in a commercial, like, like jumping out of a helicopter. And it ran not, I think it was not during the Super Bowl. It was around some major sporting event. So I, I am very curious to see if Hyundai did team up with the government to try to push forth this. Oh, look at this military base in Poland. We're out there protecting you. We're keeping you safe at home. A global force for good. So that really just pissed me the hell off all over the place. Uh, next one, I'll just talk about this briefly. The Honda yearbook uh, Super Bowl ad, a lot of people liked. I thought that the people who did the visual effects on it needed to be shot in the face because it was like, talk about Uncanny Valley, which is the definition of when you've got something like computer graphics and it it doesn't quite look real, but to the effect where it's kind of like you're looking at a waking nightmare. That was that whole commercial. There were demons in the screen. That wasn't just me being drunk. Those things were hideous. So that was awful. I, I It was a clever enough idea that was terribly, terribly executed. All right, another one that riled me up. Uh, and even though, because I don't really personally care about this, but Airbnb also made a political statement. They ran an ad during the Super Bowl with the hashtag, we accept and the commercial was basically just, you know, people's faces uh, side by side. They showed a Muslim guy and they showed a white guy and they showed an African guy and they showed a Muslim girl, blah, blah, blah. And then they said that the CEO said they will accept free or they'll provide free housing to refugees and anyone, quote, not allowed into the U.S., unquote. So that makes me wonder two things. Number one. Are the people who are putting their houses out on Airbnb aware that refugees <laughs> are going to be staying in their houses for free? I mean, I, I guess Airbnb will pay the homeowners, but I'm thinking you might want to know about that if you're a homeowner. Be like, by the way, uh, you know your beachfront condo that you're, you rent out for 3500 We give that to about eight Syrian refugees. Now, they've been vetted. But we still gave it to them. And also, anyone else, anyone not allowed into the U.S. So the Airbnb CEO is essentially saying that they will harbor illegals and also uh, other fugitives from the state. I don't know in what world that's okay necessarily to come out and say. Now, like I said, I don't really care if you want to do that uh, from Libertan's standpoint. Whatever, you know, it, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't hurt my lifestyle in any way. If you want to provide free housing to people, I think more people should provide free housing to people. That way we could get get rid of some of the, you know, the urban development, uh, secretary of urban development. We could tell, put Ben Carson out on the street. Stop subsidizing so much public housing. If more people might open up their homes and say, here, I'll give you some some cheap rent. You can you can stay here. But it still begs the question, you know, to make that kind of a statement is very bold. And again, just intentionally riling up people. Now, it makes a lot more sense than 84 Lumbers, though. Because 84 Lumber, <laughs> this, their patrons, I'm sure, are on the red side of things. Whereas Airbnb makes a lot more sense. 
I think a lot more people that are uh, that are on the blue side, people from the coast, are probably those that are hitting up Airbnb and they're going to go, oh my god, I I love it so much, you know. I got to say, now you've got all my business. Forget whatever the other one is. I can't even remember the name of it. But that was another one that got people all pissed off, and uh, and they're getting some pushback, of course, as you would expect. The last commercial, though, that I want to talk about is the one that I think pissed off the most people, including me including uh, a lot of people on both sides of the spectrum who actually know what's up as well for various reasons. And that is the Audi commercial where the father tells his daughter basically (laughs) that she's just a worthless piece of dump and will always be a worthless piece of dump. And that is really the crux of what the commercial is. You know, it's got this guy. I'm going to play it in just a hot second. um, But, you know, it's got this guy laying out the way it is. Uh, and as far as from the, from the progressive point of view, anyway, the way it is where women can't get a fair shake and nothing's gotten better and she's always going to make less and yada, yada. So listen to this and just try to hold down whatever you've just eaten. What do I tell my daughter? Do I tell her that her grandpa's worth more than her grandma? that her dad is worth more than her mom? Do I tell her that despite her education, her drive, her skills, her intelligence, she will automatically be valued as less than every man she ever meets? Or maybe be able to tell her something different. And they get in an Audi and they drive away. Now, I don't know what the hell buying an Audi is going to do to change anything as far as women go. Uh, Audi says that they're dedicated to equal pay. Now, that has already been debunked, by the way. People had no problem whatsoever calling Audi out on the fact that they don't have any women on their executive board. They only have two women, like their top 15 executives at the company. And also when pressed on it, they said, oh, you know, it doesn't seem like you guys pay the same amount right now. And they wrote back this tweet, which said, well, when you take in all the different factors and pay into account, it's equal pay. Now, if you read between the lines there, here's what that means. That means that Audi already knows that there is not that much of a pay gap as is. This has all been built up. Now, granted, there is some pay gap. And at this point, and and I'm going to post in the show notes, I'll post a link to this recent article I read from PJ Media, which which is great, pointing out the fallacies in this whole wage gap argument. Now, number one, wages are impacted by the time you take off by the time you take off to have a kid, by the time, you know, it, all that stuff impacts your wages. So if you have the same job, yes, okay, but you also took off nine months or you took off a year in between and then you came back to work, that impacts your wages. And they did studies that said people, women that have worked the exact same all the way through actually make the same amount. And in some industries, they make more than men. I think academia was one of them. They make more than men do if they work all the way through. Now, so that's, that's one thing you have to remember. But the other thing is, just this whole premise that 
to tell him, okay, well, how am I going to tell her her grandfather's worth more than her grandmother? Well, that's that's pretty easy because it was a totally different time. What's that? Maybe 1930s they came up? Uh, yeah. Women typically stayed home there. There was a much bigger wage gap in those days. Now, the wage gap, and again, it's the most recent article here, among women that are, are younger coming up, the wage gap, 7%. They, they get paid 93% as much as men get paid. That's pretty goddamn good, considering the fact that, yes, women do take off more time if they want to pause their career and have kids. There's also polls that show that women often will opt to take that time off or they'll make different decisions. And they've acknowledged it. They acknowledge it themselves. Yes, I took this time off. I made a career decision to pause. I, my own family has instances of this. You know, my my uh, stepmother-in-law took off melt. I mean, multiple years. I think she took off something like five or six years from work, and now she's back working full time and loving it. And uh, you know, she's back in and she's making a great living. I mean, she's she's a very talented woman. She makes a lot of money. And she deserves it. But she took time off. So you can't just say it's the same unilaterally without looking at all these conditions. And for Audi to do that was just stupid. And they deserve all of the smacking they've gotten. Now. There are people, of course, on the left that are saying, oh, this is so, so wonderful, so wonderful. And, you know, and women out there saying, oh, Audi, you, you gave me chills. But that's fine. If you want to buy into the same BS because it makes you feel good and you want a virtue signal saying, oh, look, I'm, I agreed with women's rights, women's rights, then you should actually know all the facts. And, of course, none of these people do. They didn't take time to research it. All they hear is the parroting of this lie about wage gaps and women earning less than men that has been forced out, you know, there's already legislation on the books to prevent it, saying that you can't pay, just across the board say, I'm going to pay men more than women. So again, all of these things come into play from time being taken off, from pauses in the career, and also there's just, your career choices do impact it. You've got all of these different movements, like, you know, STEM, you know, science and technology and whatever, that that <laughs> they go out of their way to try to push women into these programs, but there is a basic thing where sometimes People don't want to. There are certain people from sexes that don't want to go into certain industries and they go and push more into various other industries. Men might like math more. They might like science more. Now, of course, are there going to be women that like math and science? Yes, of course there are. But not to the same extent that men might be drawn to those industries. And to try to force people into them and say you have to meet a quota is forcing businesses to hire people that are less talented just to fill that quota or might be pushing somebody in a direction where they're not that well suited. It's kind of looking, looking like the economy as a whole, an industry as a whole, where if you're trying to keep an industry alive, all you're doing is taking valuable resources that are more efficiently used in another place away from that. So it doesn't make any sense. And to circle back all the way, even if there was a lot of truth to this whole myth that women get paid less for the same work, as Tom Woods pointed out, wouldn't companies just go out of their way to hire a ton of women? If I could hire a woman who's just as smart to do the same work just as well, why am I paying a man to do it? Businesses are in the business to make money. At the end of the day, people decry capitalism. Oh, it's the world. It's, it's a devil. But you know what? Capitalism is the way you're going to get. If you want, if, I mean, it would be proving the point right there. You'd have women dominating the workplace if you could pay a female CEO 50% as much as a male CEO, and she does just as well, give me a female CEO every single day. And that's the way it would be in industry. So it's just a fallacy on its face. Absolutely absurd. And again, just it, that was the most blatant example of just 
uh, kowtowing to progressives in the most pathetic way I think I've ever seen. And frankly, I'm not sure if she won the little soapbox derby race that she was entered in because that's what the commercial was. She was in a soapbox derby. But uh, I hope she got last place. And then I hope she dropped her ice cream that they got after the race. And on that note, here's a word from our sponsor. Hey, guys, I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of competition for your ears, and it's hard to find time to listen to everything. But there's one show that I make sure to carve out the time to listen to every single day, and that's the Jason Stapleton program. Jason has been a guest on this show before, and he really does a fantastic job with his show, where he breaks down current events from a libertarian perspective five days per week. That's right. Five days per week. I don't know how he does it, but it's not just a podcast. It's also a live daily studio show, which broadcasts over at jasonstapleton.com. You can, of course, find his podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to this podcast. You should have no problem finding Jason Stapleton as well. And the great thing about Jason's show is that it's so professionally done that you have no concerns about sharing it with your parents, your friends, your family. You're not going to get any of that Alex Jones conspiracy stuff. You're just going to get straightforward talk about libertarian ideals in our rapidly changing world. Be sure to check out the Jason Stapleton program. Yeah, guys, you should check that program out. If you haven't already added to your podcast list, it is uh, top on mine. I uh, particularly like the way he breaks down the economic issues really well. Stapleton has an amazing ability, and I don't know how he does it. He must sleep a lot, or I don't even know how well he's done it. But he is really excellent at getting all the information crammed up into his noggin and then laying it out in a way that is very efficient and understandable. And I am working on that myself, I think failing miserably. So uh, just bear with me as I scream into this microphone. Now, guys, something else I want to talk about uh, moving away from the Super Bowl a little bit and into some of the protests. Now, the Milo thing has been, I'm sure, talked to death by now. You all know about it. Milo uh, Yiannopoulos gave a speech, well, supposed to give a speech at Berkeley, which was, of course, destroyed. Any chance of it was, uh, was taken out by violent protesters that have called themselves Antifa. There's another uh, group, I think, called BlackRock that have just gone in and in a completely unironic manner, decried fascism and said that they're protecting free speech and attacking hate speech, somehow not understanding that that there is no such thing as hate speech and free speech is just that. It is free. Um, I, I give people the example all the time that if free speech was prohibited, we might still have slavery. I mean, look at it that way. You literally have people that, you know, to speak out, free speech is Martin Luther King. To speak out to speak out against these things is the right of Americans. And when you attack ideas that you don't agree with, you're offended by, you might think you're in the right at a given time. History may prove you very wrong. So you have to have people be able to express ideas at all times. So these protests are incredibly, incredibly upsetting. Uh, the fact that the left as a whole has overly, I mean, the vast majority have applauded the actions. They only, when called out on the fact that they're not saying this is wrong, we need to protect free speech, these people should not be applauded for being violent, only then will they half apologize and say, oh, well, yeah, but but you can't say all liberals are like that. I was like, I'm not saying all liberals are like this. I'm saying the regressive left is like this. I'm saying these clowns, these violent animals that are parading around as activists for free speech and as uh, the, the sharp spear point of the left— they need to be 
made an example of. They they need to have people from the left rise up and say this is not all right. They need people protect. You know, if you see a man getting beaten with sticks unconscious on the ground, even if you think Milo should not be allowed to speak, go help that man. And if you don't do that, you're just a despicable human being. There's no other way around it. You don't have the right to attack somebody because they don't agree with you. And then you see the shameful reaction from Berkeley's administration, uh, which confirmed they didn't they didn't condemn the uh, the acts really in, in a half-hearted way they did like i was talking about but they continued to say that milo was hate speech and that they didn't condone him coming to to the uh, campus harvard which of course harvard of all places known for the national lampoon one of the oldest and uh most established satire publications in the united states incredibly well-respected comedy magazine their crimson newspaper, student newspaper, ran an editorial today saying that Milo and others like him should not be allowed to speak on campus because they are using, quote unquote, hate speech and that it was different than free speech and that they should only invite, quote unquote, principled conservatives to speak on campus. Because God knows the editors of the crimson student newspaper at Harvard are the ones to make the ultimate judgment on what people should or should not be exposed to and what is or is not hate speech. Now, the overwhelming response to that I saw from a lot of alumni that were commenting was of sheer and pure disgust. Hey, I tweeted at Conan O'Brien today saying, what do you think about this crap? Because he was uh, he was uh, on the writing staff of the National Lampoon. If you didn't know, Conan O'Brien came out of Harvard, of course, incredibly successful right on The Simpsons, has his own show. And as a comedian, you can't, you cannot allow people to tap dance all over free speech. And I bring, you know, I brought up Lenny Bruce, a comedian who suffered for the art of comedy. He was arrested over and over again for obscenity laws, fighting for free speech. So that's what sickens me when I don't see more comedians standing up to this as well. And it sickens me when I see a lot of comedians I'm friends with online applauding the shutting down of, of people like Milo not allowing them to speak. And Milo is, in his own words, an entertainer. The guy is half comedian. Granted, he's not the funniest comedian in the world. Uh, his jokes are a little bit hacky, a little predictable. But still, he is half entertainer, half uh, political commenter, and they should be protecting his right to speak as well. Somebody already went, somebody already was persecuted to let you guys tell the jokes that you want to tell, to let me go on stage and tell all my stupid jokes. So you can't, out of the other side of your mouth, say, oh, no, you can't let him speak. If you do that, you're a bigger joke than the ones you tell. And it just is, is honestly pathetic. So in that regard, there was a comedian named Gavin McGinnis, a uh, more conservative bent, stand-up comic, but you know, in no way an evil man, any shape or form. He was supposed to speak at NYC. And I want to play you this clip of a professor. Remember that when you're listening to this psychopath. This adrenaline-addled female gorilla screaming. <laughs> I'm going to mention she's not black, so don't accuse me of being racist, please. But she's screaming at police officers, by the way, screaming at the faces of cops, calling them to, to go and beat up these Nazis. Talking about a comedian, a stand-up comedian who happens to be conservative. Uh, you just got to listen to this because you're not going to believe it. Sorry. Holy shit, people are getting arrested? Why are you here? You're not here to protect these students from Nazis? No, you're not! 
This is completely fucked up! And these students had to fucking face them on your own! You should be ashamed of yourself! You should be standing up to those Nazis! You should be protecting these students from hate! This is hate! These are fucking assholes! And this is a joke! You're protecting the Nazis! It's a fucking joke! You are a joke! You're grown boys! You're grown boys! And even the black ones! You're a fucking brown boy too, you motherfucker! You're not protecting the NYU students here! And I'm disgusted! I'm a professor! How dare you! How dare you fucking assholes protect neo-Nazis! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! These are kids who are trying to learn about humanity! They're trying to learn about human rights and against racism and xenophobia and LGBTQ rights and you're letting these fucking neo-Nazis near here! You should kick their ass! You should! You should be ashamed of yourself! You should! Fuck that shit! Are you are you kidding me? This is a professor at NYU. She's proudly, proudly saying that she's a professor out there screaming incoherent gibberish about Nazis and about stopping people and, and calling them proud boys. You proud boys! You proud boys. That's gonna be my catchphrase, by the way. Hashtag proud boys. I love that. I want it remixed into song immediately. Maybe I'll do it for next episode. I'll bring it in with a little little Boogie Proud Boys remix for you guys. But we're going to talk about the Davos, uh, Betsy Davos, or Devos, whatever it is, Betsy Davos uh, confirmation in just a few minutes. But you know what? When people look at the left and they wonder, uh, they wonder about the status of educational institutions, this woman, this woman probably springs to to the top of your mind. This raving lunatic. She's getting upset again about a stand-up comedian coming to speak at NYC. Uh, or I'm sorry, I said NYC. At NYU. I said NYC earlier, too, because I'm an idiot. Uh, at NYU. This liberal uh, castle in the sky, you know, that everybody wants to go to. It's right in the village. Everybody wants to go to NYU because it's so enlightened. Does this woman seem enlightened to you? It seems to me like she has a giant stick up her ass and she has no idea how to get it out. So she's trying to vomit it. She's trying to vomit what's up her ass out of her mouth because that's exactly what it sounds like. It's just a lot of bullshit. So that is a pure embarrassment. Yet you don't see people standing up and saying, this woman does not represent us. This woman should be suspended. There's no way a professor should be out campaigning and protesting and screaming at cops because someone's speaking on campus that she doesn't agree with and calling them Nazis and yelling, fuck you, and screaming at them. If you're NYU's administration, you should probably talk to that woman. But of course, you know, the little buttercups at NYU, God, if she, if she got in trouble, oh, then there'd be trouble. Then they wouldn't, you know, the students would rise up because this is clearly hate speech, even though he was invited and clearly people wanted to hear him speak. It's just, it's atrocious. I don't, you know, I, I, I have not had the chance to look into what this woman teaches. I'm dying to know. I'm guessing it's going to be something in social sciences, something along those lines. Maybe it's women's studies. I don't know. It's going to be something that you're going to go, that makes a lot of sense. 
that she's spewing garbage into the minds of the youth and brainwashing because, you know, there's a lot of there's been tons of research done into it. Whereas in academia, it's something like 95% is all progressives. I mean, it's literally, you're going to be brainwashed. Uh, when you send your kids to the, these these colleges, the odds are they are just going to be brainwashed into it. And you look, I mean, like myself, I, when I grew up, went to college, I was, uh, I went back and forth as, you know, li- liberal, Republican. I kind of went back and forth and eh, that's why I settled on libertarianism, obviously, because I, there's sides of, of the coin that I, I like both sides. But, uh, at the end of the day, of course, they're both horrible choices. But, and you see this more and more as people get out of college and they see the real world and they see that, you know, this woman, she probably has been in academia her whole life. So she's been insulated in this environment of you know everything's okay and and words hurt and that's the most important thing is just you know can't use you can't use mean words so it's not a shock to see her just lose her shit completely when her worldview is challenged and starts to fall apart god forbid she makes an actual coherent argument no just pure outrage screaming emotional response and this is what we've been seeing over and over and over again even at Milo's events, you'll see some people try to engage with these protesters and these Antifa people uh, in a very respectful manner. Hey, well, let's talk about this. Here's what I think. Here's why I want to go see him speak. Why do you think it's okay that you can get in the way of free speech? And they all, they don't have an argument. All they yell is, because you're fascist, because you're racist. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're racist. Fuck you, Nazis. That's their argument. And if that's your argument, you don't have a fucking argument. Now, the good news for this chick is that this happened a couple of days before the Super Bowl. And uh, one of my favorite commercial spots, and it was with John Malkovich and um, and Squarespace. So let me play this because, you know, she at least got a little bit of bucks out of her, uh, her rent in Raven. Let me, let me play this commercial from the Super Bowl. Hello, John. This is John Malkovich. No, you're not. This is a joke. You're protecting the Nazis. No, it's not a joke. Listen, I'm, I'm trying to start a menswear line a fashion line and you have the domain uh, johnmalkovich.com which i very much need sir really do you think when when people go on your site that they're actually looking for you or for my cousin or maybe maybe they're looking for me you're grown boys you're grown boys yeah i am but you see you should be ashamed of yourself listen i really do get out of my name how can you be John Malkovich? How? Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! John Malkovich hung up. JohnMalkovich.com has a temper. Love me some John Malkovich, baby. Good to see the man working. Uh, he's always working, I think. And anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap this show up, guys. And uh, I stopped yelling in the void. Which, by the way, you know what? Mark and, uh, and John Odermatt, my compatriots here at Lions of Liberty, they're always they're like, oh, I don't like to do you know solo shows. Tough to do. You know, I'm just talking on my own. I'll tell you guys, this has been a breeze. The key, I think, is just talking to yourself all the time like a madman. I do it all the time. In my car, walking down the street. I talk to my dog, singing to those stupid little punks all day. It's easy. You want to be a successful podcaster, just walk down the street like Jesus is talking to you all the time. Works for me. Take it from your old pal, Brian McWilliams. All right, last thing. Betsy Davos just got confirmed as Secretary of Education. Predictably, the progressives are freaking out. 
And as I said in our forum, which you can find at Lions of Liberty over at uh, on Facebook, you just type in Lions of Liberty, easily found. Uh, but as I said there, you know, I swear to God, we're not going to have much of a problem with the regressive left much longer because everything that happens, they go insane. I mean, they must have palpitating heartbeats for the last three months. Their blood pressure must be through the roof. We're not going to have to Herman hop anybody because they're all just going to kill themselves off. We're going to be keeling over in the streets. We're going to have to step over their dead bodies. It's like tap dancing around them. But of course, so Betsy Davos, that's the latest thing that they're getting up, up in arms about. And I tell you, all I'm seeing on, on the social media is people just saying, Oh, well, this is, she's a terrible choice. Sorry. This is, it's a horrible for education and so dumb. And they're, she, you know, they're taking all the money from public schools and they're going to privatize everything. None of which are arguments based in reality, by the way. And clearly none of these people have researched or know what the, what the hell they're talking about. Uh, the only thing I can say, okay, I can acknowledge that is that she does not have any experience. Now, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. You know, I mean, they're saying secretary of education, from what I've read, is one of the positions where, in truth, other than saying uh, go in that direction as far as the tone of what you want to do, there's not much actual uh, effort that you have to put in as far as an everyday knowledge of things. You're not in there grinding up the meat for the sausage, you know. There's underlings that do that. Most of the monetary systems are in place. They funnel the money through. So really, when you get down to it, her lack of experience isn't that big of a deal. Even if it was, there's people under her who know what they're doing. So move past that. Getting an outsider's perspective, however, I think is a very good thing. Rather than having somebody that's been embedded in the system, like this insane liberal professor at NYU who clearly has been embedded in the system too long. I'd rather have that than somebody that's just playing along that's afraid to shake up the status quo because they've been a cog and the cog's just part of the machine for years and years and years and just wants to keep on going along and kissing the teachers union's asses and wants to keep everybody paid and employed uh, in the exact same way that they've been. The objections that I'm hearing to what she wants to do come in two forms, actually three forms. Number one, saying that public schools will suffer. And I'm going to go through, I'm going to lay out what the objections are and I'm going to debunk each and every one of them. One, public schools won't be funded, okay? Total bullshit. Public schools are going to get the same amount of funding unless children decide that they or parents decide that they want to use the voucher system. Now, if you don't know what a voucher is, a voucher is essentially a tax credit. That enables you to say, okay, the money that would have gone towards your kid in public school, you now have and you can use to put them to school wherever. Now, that doesn't mean that every kid is going to be able to afford to go to private school. And these people seem to think that, oh, no, well, well, what about the kids who can't afford to go anywhere? What happens to them? They stay in public school, assholes. They stay in public school. The public schools don't close. They stay open. They still provide education. So, but this now opens up people like, let's say there's somebody that they go, they look at their funding and they say, we just can't quite afford to get out of this horrible school that we're in. We hate the school. It's, you know, it's killing our kids' education. We wish you had a better option. Now they have a tax credit. They can apply that. Maybe that puts them over the top. So now they can have a choice where they want their kid to go to school. So I'm all for that. And everybody should be all for that. Because let me break this down as well, how this interacts with education overall. Because the second complaint is that somehow having this private system is going to take all the all the good kids out of public schooling. And it's going to impact the education. And, and the schools are going to get run down. And, and, you know, oh, the teachers, they don't have enough funding as is. So, which is bullshit, because the United States, by the way, is in the top three in per student spending, and it's gotten us nowhere. So, 
that they're saying, yeah, they're going to lose the funding. It's going to impact education. Also not true. Because here's how, it, how, here's how it's going to work. You look at the market in play. You're providing people with an incentive to say, you can now shop around. You can look for better alternatives for your kids. Many parents are going to take advantage of that. And charter schools, as well as, you know, as private schools, especially in urban areas with, quote unquote, uh, economically disadvantaged youth, have much better results. So you might get people saying, OK, we want to get our kids out of here. We want to put them in different schools. So now what happens to kids in public school? Like, for example, in California, I've got all these teachers that have tons of kids in their class. They got 35, 45 kids in a classroom, way too many kids, not enough teachers. And even though they're throwing money at it, there's still not enough money to, to go around and build more classrooms and hire more teachers. So if half of these kids get the opportunity to go somewhere else, what does that do to classroom size? Decreases it. Now, is that less money for the schools per student? Of course it is. But at the same time, you also are spending less money on books, less money on, on food, less money on uh, all the other things to support a massive scale of children while reducing classroom size. So those kids are getting a better education because they're now not not 45 kids to a teacher. Now you're down to 25 kids to a teacher, which is a more reasonable expectation. And what happens to those other kids? Well, they go on to their, their private schools or they go to their charter schools, and now they're getting a better education. And in turn, because there's an increased demand for private schools, what happens to the private schools? They start expanding. They say, okay, well, we, we're getting more kids coming in. We need to expand. We need to open up new schools. And if they want to keep opening up new schools and they want to keep in business and expanding, they're going to hire good teachers. And that addresses our third issue that gets brought up. What happens to teachers? Well, teachers should be all for this. Because if you've got the market in play as it is, like I'm saying, you've got teachers that can't get a job right now with all this money being funneled into the education system in public education, teachers still don't know if they're going to work. I have a very good friend who is a teacher, and every year he does not know if he's going to have a job the next year. So he's taking on all these extracurricular things. He's the basketball coach for the JV squad because it makes him harder to fire. Now, if you've got all these other institutions opening up and hiring teachers because they're expanding because now... People have the choice and they have the funding. Instead of going to public school and forcing them to go there, they can now spend on a private institution that entices the institutions to hire teachers. So all of these teachers unions, they're against it because they can't enforce it in private institutions, of course. But all the teachers as a whole should look at this as more job security, as having more job options and as it being better for everybody. They're going to have a better situation even if you stay in public school because you're going to have a more uh, palatable amount of kids to teach. Or if you go off to a private institution, which may pay you more or may pay you less, depending on the school. If they're charging a lot more money to go there, they're probably going to pay you a good amount. So the market is providing the best possible alternative for everybody involved in this situation if you open it up. Now, what are these teachers unions really afraid of, perhaps? Accountability. Uh, obviously, that's at the top of the list. Uh, they've got a lot of security right now in regards to very difficult to get fired, especially for public teachers. My God, hard, hard as hell to get fired from a public school. So this, this really puts the onus on these teachers to step up. Look, if you're a public school and you're losing all of your students and you go, oh, what are we going to do? You should probably become a better school. That's the solution. If all of your students are leaving, clearly there's something wrong with the system. So accountability is a big part of this. And I don't know why people seem to want to want to get around that fact that these schools that are not doing well, there's a reason. It's because of their their 
either bad leadership up top, there's bad teachers that they're hiring, because across the spectrum, they've shown there's a good schools and there's bad charter schools. That's not debatable. It's not universal that, you know, all the private schools and other charter schools are better than the public schools. No, they go up and down. Some public schools are excellent. Some are terrible. It depends on the educators. It depends on the administrators in those schools. So if you've got a screwed up system, clearly you've got to clean house and you've got to get different people in to run it. It's not just about money. It's not just about where they're at. It's not just about what type of school it is. It comes down to who is running it and how accountable they're going to be. Um, now, granted, is it still aggravating that it's not fully private? Yes. But look, that ain't on the table, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. I say that full aware that Thomas Massey has a bill that's put forth to just get rid of the entire Department of Education. And of course, we like to joke that, hey, maybe liberals will take that as a viable option if they hate Betsy Davos so much and they hate this whole school choice program. But, um, you know, it ain't happened. So we're going to take this and we're going to we're going to make the best lemonade we can out of the lemons that were provided uh, so there you go. I hope that ammunition helps you push back against the shrieking of the left when it comes to school choice and uh, and Betsy Davos getting her approval. Guys, that's going to do it for our show. So once again, let me just wrap this up by encouraging everybody here to please tune into all of the Lions of Liberty podcasts. Of course, we have Mark on Monday doing in-depth interviews with some of the leaders in the libertarian movement. On Fridays, we've got John Odermatt looking at the criminal justice system, some of the problems therein with his Felony Fridays show. Uh, reiterate, if you want to support our podcast, please do so we can continue to grow. You can go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. And uh, we've got different tiers you can join this uh, one off. We've got our T-shirts, lionsofliberty.store. If you just want to buy a T-shirt, that would also be great. Go support it. People go, what the hell is that on your shirt? You'll go, that's the Lions of Liberty. They'll go, what the hell is that? You'll go, it's a podcast. You won't like it. It'll be wonderful. And, of course, finally, guys, please do follow us on social media at Lions of Liberty. Uh, Join the Facebook forum. Just type in Lions of Liberty. Don't look like a nut. Don't be a guy with a picture of a tiger and a ninja sword and you're getting right in. And also, please do go and support us on iTunes. Uh, write a review. It greatly helps boost us up there and help spread the podcast. And please tell a friend. If you think somebody would be open to the ideas of liberty and to my uh, my goofy ass spewing it on, on Wednesdays here on Electric Liberty Land, please do share the pod. So I hope you guys have not been too annoyed listening to me for an entire show. Feel free to shoot me uh, shoot me an email or give me some feedback on the forum when I post this. Or uh, you can email me at brian at lionsofliberty.com. So from me and from Electric Liberty Land, guys, always stay plugged into liberty. <laughs>